Hello, and welcome to the Church 860 podcast. My name is Pastor Chris, and I'm the lead pastor of Church 860 located in Westerville, Ohio. Our podcast will have daily episodes uploaded where we have curated some of the best Bible teaching from across the globe. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Been almost two years since we've been kind of isolated and shut off. And we'd planned, of course, as you know, to be at Mount Hermon today and tomorrow and Wednesday and have a great time, and that was shut down again, by, not by us, but by the government. But brethren, we really need each other, and we need fellowship with each other, and I'm so glad that you're here, and I, I hope to sp- that we all spend some time sharing and, and talking to each other and ministering to each other and uh, just uh, rejoicing in, in, the, in the presence and the power of God. I'm going to talk this morning about uh, how Jesus taught us to pray. And, and we all know these words uh, very, very well. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for helping us, Lord, in things, times that are difficult and challenging and being faithful and never leaving us, never forsaking us. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to guide, to direct, and to empower. And I pray that, God, that we will have a renewal of optimism and courage and faith for having been together. That when we go back, Lord, we'll have a positive feeling and knowledge based the feeling based upon the truth of your word the power of the holy spirit that whatever circumstance the country's in whatever circumstance our lives are in right now that you are greater and more powerful than all these things and if we will walk and live in the spirit that we will experience amazing fruitful lives sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in a world that is getting even darker by the hour and by the day but it only makes one light shine more brightly may our lights be illuminated by the power and presence of God and the love of Jesus for the whole human race and God speak to our hearts and guide us we pray in Jesus name amen Well, you know where it's at in this particular case, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Jesus was in a certain place and was praying. And when one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples to pray. Teach us to pray. And I know we've been in the ministry so long, many of us, or served the Lord for so long, that we might forget some of these things. He said, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We look at the darkness around us and we begin to think about how, what's happening in the government, what's happening in the world. Tragically, you can look it up for yourself. There are Christians by the hundreds, maybe the thousands that just in the last few weeks have been slaughtered. Don showed me a picture of Christians whose bodies were martyred and they threw them in a pile and burned them up. This happened within the last few months. I know that we're going through some challenging times, but there are other Christians that are facing even more difficult times. I look at what's happening in Afghanistan. 
Our country forsook the American citizens. The Germans and the British took care to protect. But we've had such a shift in values that we don't even hear what's going on and the suffering and the, the desperation of people. And yet in the midst of all of these things where people are literally being martyred, there is the presence of God. So teach us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We need to continually remind ourselves when we look at the darkness and the powers of darkness who God is. There's no power greater than God. There's nothing that is happening in this world that God cannot change. And when they go through these martyrs, many of them and the early church ended up dying. There was only one disciple that died a natural death as far as we know. The challenges that we face in our country, in our culture, we all are aware of. But I'm telling you, God is greater than all of the forces that oppose the kingdom of God and the word of God. Hallowed be thy name. And so we come to him with reverence and awe in the power of God, recognizing he is our father. And our father is going to take care of anything that comes up in our lives. We're not forsaken. We're not not alone, and nothing's going to change. I remember it as though it was just yesterday, but actually it's been quite a while ago. I was five years old. I think, I think I was five. I can't remember what, what I ate for breakfast. But anyway, there's a little kid across the street. He was bigger than I was. He was a big, powerful seventh grader. And he said to me, he said, what would you do if I came over and punched you in the nose? I said, I would punch you back. I wasn't as advanced in my faith then as I am now. <laughs> he said, well, he said, my father can beat up your father. And I said, nobody can beat up my father. He said, you're saying that your father said he could beat up my father? Yes, that's what my dad said. Actually, he didn't. He didn't know anything about it. A little bit later that day, this guy comes over and knocks on the door, and he looks at my dad, and he says, you said you can whip me. Come on out here, and let's get it on. But you see, when we're talking about our Heavenly Father, he can whip anybody. He can whip any circumstance. He can whip anything. So our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, we just recognize who he is and respect and rejoice in the awesomeness and power of the God we serve. And there is no circumstance, there is no difficulties that we're going through or ever will go through, but what God is more than adequate to bring us through victorious as we put our trust and our faith in him. In everything, give thanks. Boy, that's a hard one. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Give thanks. One of my men who was just recently retired as one of the police chiefs there in the Sacramento area, he was riding his bicycle. He stays in great physical shape. And he hit, there was some kind of a rock and a root in the bike path, and he had a terrible wreck, and suddenly his shoulder's out of place, and he's having a concussion. And he's going to the hospital, and so I asked him two Sundays ago, I said, Dan, how are you doing? He said, he said, oh, great. He said, fine. Do you know that accident that I had? I'm so glad that I had it. I said, you are? I said, boy, what a man of faith. 
He said, yes. He said, they went in and they x-rayed me and went through my whole body. And they found out that I have two large gallstones that are destroying one of my kidneys. He said, isn't it great that I had that wreck? You see, in everything, give thanks. Because he'll recover from his bruises, but now he'll... Maybe keep his kidneys a little bit longer. And they're really nice to have. Uh, it's really difficult when they, dis- when they forsake us and leave us. So pray that God's will be done. I don't believe that it's God's will what's happening in our country right now. I don't believe that it's God's will that Islam is having a revival and sweeping down once again. I don't believe it's the will of God that China's threatening the nation and flying over uh, Taiwan with their jets and knowing that we'll do nothing about it. I know, I'm not, I know that it's not God's will that false religions are, are spreading like crazy. It's not God's will that pluralism, any path, every path to God, there's only one path to God. It's the presence, it's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I don't believe that's God's will. So we need to pray about the direction of our country, the direction of the world that we live in, because God told us to do that. We have to do that. We have to be in prayer about what's going on in in this country and in the world around us. And so we just say, God, your will be done in heaven as, as it is in earth, on earth. I look at Daniel and, and Asa and, and uh, Elijah. They were praying for their nations, and we need to pray for this nation because we have really lost our way, and we've really drifted in the wrong direction. And so our prayers should continually go out to God. It says, therefore, do not be like the heathen, Uh, before your father knows what you have need of before you even ask him. So pray for your daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread is more than just bread. It's shelter, clothing, protection. It's all of the needs of this physical body. Now, our physical bodies are, you know, sometimes we look at them and say, God, you could have done a better job. But God made us this way, and he loves our bodies. And he he wants to provide for us food. He wants to provide for us shelter. He wants to provide for us the necessities of life. All of these things are what God... And so it says, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. And so this is how we pray, God... Today, meet the needs of my family. Meet the needs of the church that you set us over. Meet the needs of our country. God, pour out of your Holy Spirit upon this nation and awaken us spiritually to the realities of Jesus Christ. These are the things that God wants us to pray about, some of the things that God wants us to pray about. And so we, we, uh, uh, we, we can, that he can supply all of our needs. He said, therefore, take no thought of what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, for the world seeks after all these things, but your Father in heaven knows that you have need of these things, so seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Well, the Bible said God already knows what we need before we need, before we need it, before we ask him. So say, why ask? Because God told us to. Scripture tells us that we have not because we ask not. Or we ask in the wrong way, and, 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 and we don't, we, we, so we can consume it upon our, ourselves, upon our place. But God knows our needs, and God's promised to supply our needs. He hasn't promised to supply our wants. He's promised to supply our needs for all of us. I look at Daniel. 
and King Nebuchadnezzar. And I think about what's going on in our country. We have our own Nebuchadnezzars now. The head of tech companies that want to like to get rid of the church. People that would like to completely erase Christianity and bring all of this pluralism. Many paths to God, which basically is no path to God. They want to bring all of this into the culture. They want to tell us that God did not make us male and female. That he made us male and female and something else that nobody can quite figure out. And yet here we are. We have our children having to go to public schools and having to be taught things that are contrary to the scripture. They can't talk about God. They can't wear a t-shirt having anything to do with Christianity. But every other thing that goes on in the world seemingly is permissible. And so we look at the world that we live in. And here Daniel is in Nebuchadnezzar. The king is rising up in his tremendous power and Daniel writes about it we find it in the fourth chapter of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar said is not this great Babylon that I have built for my royal dwelling by my own by my mighty power and for the <laughs> and for the honor of my name I did this I did this I had the partial pleasure of picking Don up at the airport in Sacramento and bringing him over here today. Part of it was okay. But I was reminded of a minister that started out lowly and went and built a huge church with thousands of people coming. And he said... To Don, he said, did you realize that I'm famous? Don said, who told you you were famous? He said, you know that I'm a celebrity? Everywhere I go, this great city, everybody knows me. I have this power. I have this Charisma. I am, I am special. And having started the church from nothing, working part-time to get it going, and now the church flourished thousands and thousands of people, and people know, I mean, it's on television and the radio and all of these kind of things, and suddenly he reverts back to the darkness that God delivered him from and enters into immorality and destroys his family, his life, and brings shame to the name of Jesus Christ because he said, I have done it. You know something, brethren? If God, any good, powerful, wonderful thing happens in our lives, we didn't do it. God did it through these failing and weak vessels. And we have to always remember that. Without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I would surely fail. Without him, I'd be drifting like a boat without a sail. And as I come into this stage of life, I recognize that more completely than ever. I, without God, I can do nothing. I can't defeat the devil. I can't defeat darkness. I can't even walk a life of victory in my own life, in my own way. And so prayer is absolutely vital. Prayer to be forgiven by God. Prayer to forgive. Forgive. Brethren, may God give us a love for every believer. 
even if they have a little different twist on doctrine other than Jesus Christ bled on the cross for our sins and rose again on, on the third day and we we're covered by the sac sacrifice of his blood. But if they have some kind of a little doctrine, a little twist, they're still our brothers. My brother just retired from 50 years of missionary work in the Middle East and he went through two wars over there. Left Iran a couple of days before the embassy was taken. They kicked him out. Went over to Beirut and got into the, that where they had a war with Israel, fighting in bombs coming out, and, 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 he and he stayed there. And there was only one other uh, missionary that we knew, that he knew, that, that stayed. The rest of them left when all the fighting began and the shells began coming into the houses and everything. And he was a very strict, hard-shell Baptist who didn't have much use for Pentecostals. My brothers believed in the gifts of the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But suddenly, they, when they were the only two left, they had fellowship. And they began to pray together. And they became, had a bond that could never be broken. One day my brother was praying with uh, this man and then they went to their separate houses and the Holy Spirit spoke to my brother's heart and he said, tonight take your family out of the apartment and go to a shelter. For, for, for three years, they never left there. They never went to a shelter. Take your son, take your daughter, your wife to a shelter. And he did. And the next morning they came back and a 155 millimeter shell had gone through the ceiling and exploded in my nephew's bedroom because the Holy Spirit guided him to go to a shelter. We have some big bombs coming at us in our nation and in the world that we live in. But it's important that every day we go to the shelter of prayer and seek the face of God for his guidance, for his protection, for spiritual renewing, for our people that are going through so much, for the government, for all of these things that are going on in the world. We need to lift our hearts up in prayer to God because God tells us to pray. The scripture said, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We've been bought back from this separation. We've been bought back from this darkness. So spend some time in prayer and love each other. And if we have anything against each other or against anybody, for the sake of Christ, forgive each other and get rid of that stuff. We've got to care about each other. It doesn't matter if you've got hair or no hair. It doesn't matter if you're old or young. Christians, we have to love each other because this is how people will recognize us in a world that's lost, for the most part, lost its love. If you don't believe that, just read the Internet and all of the blogs that are going on, and you see the criticism. And, the in and consequently, I don't know how accurate these polls are. They say 60% of Americans are lonely. I want to take just a minute to quote uh, a uh, rabbi. It's all right because Jesus quoted some rabbis. Check it out. It's in the Bible. So I'm going to quote this rabbi. And besides that, I'm teaching about love and forgiveness. So if it bothers you, forgive me. <laughs> or burn. No, I don't know. Or what. But anyway, just, just forgive me. It's up to you. When I was in a, a 
conference over in San Jose when Don McClure was pastoring. That was back when, you know, he could still see and walk straight. I mean, he, uh, <laughs> young man came up to me, and he, uh, his family had been in a conflict with, uh, with other people, and, uh, it, and were suing this restaurateur, and they lost all of their cases saying that somehow they, they, he'd promised his, the grandfather portion of the big grocery chain and all that kind of stuff. And finally, after talking to him a long time, I told this young man, I said, you know, couldn't you just profit more by letting this thing go? Because his whole family was obsessed with this, and he became obsessed with it. And I still get stuff in the mail and sent out to the Calvary list and all the things saying that I stood against him and I took money from this wealthy man. It never happened. And yet it's gone now to the fourth generation. This bitterness, this conflict has been passed on from one to another. You say, Lewis, you, have you ever had? Yeah, I've had some times when I really got mad at somebody. There was a, a preacher that really pers truly persecuted me when we started the warehouse. And I told everybody how God had given me peace and, and I was fine. I didn't have any problem with him anymore. And I go into one of those restaurants, you know, it's really dark, you know, where you can't see how much the food is. And, and there's just a little uh, candle there, you know. And I'm sitting there and there was a long bench and there were tables like this. And all of a sudden I looked over and this man that had really persecuted me was sitting about three feet from me. And I realized... I hadn't forgiven him. And so finally I said, you know, uh, I, 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 I want you to know that I've been wrong. I had an unforgiving spirit toward you. And I'm really sorry. Would you forgive me? He said, well, you should ask forgiveness because if anybody ever needed it, it's you. Then I had to ask for forgiveness again. Rabbi Zeller said, he, had, he wrote this little thing that I liked. He said, he said when, I, when I refuse to forgive someone who has wronged me, I realize my own uh, inner, inner uh, I, I, I build my own inner criminal justice system. I become the judge and the jury and I convict that person that has wronged me. And through the hardness of my heart, I begin to build a prison out of metal and stone. And I put him in. And in that prison, I am the warden. And I am the guard. And so I have to expend my energy and my strength to keep this person in prison. Because suddenly I realize that by keeping him in prison, that I'm in prison with him. If I cannot forgive someone and truly leave it at the altar and turn away, he says, I put him in jail and there's no room for pardon. No room for forgiveness because of what they have done. 
He says, now as a jailer, he says, I'm the warden, you know, I have to watch over him. And he said, as long as this man's in prison, I'm in prison with him, and I expend my energy, and I expend the joy of my life in keeping him there, trying to do this. Christians, if we have any odd against anyone, get it out of your heart because it really hinders your ministry, your fellowship with God, your relationship with your family, your relationship with everybody. Forgive each other. And did you know this? This is going to come absolute shock to you. Sometimes preachers get mad at each other. Sometimes preachers say negative things about each other. You can't imagine that paragons of virtue like us could possibly do anything like that. But the fact of the matter is we do. I just look at this, what Jesus had to say. He tells us, John 17, he said, Father, I pray not that you take them out of the world, those that believe in me. God doesn't want you to leave the world that you're in right now. He wants you here so that people can observe our lives and know that they see Jesus in us and know that Jesus has sent us into the world to tell them of the love and grace of God. Jesus said, Father, I'm in you and you're in me and they're in us. And I'm going to leave them here so that men, when they see us, when they hear us, when they're around us, they'll know that you've been raised from the dead, that you're alive, and that you have the love and the power to deliver them from any bondage and any sin that could ever possibly be in their lives. He said, I promise these things. He said, this is exactly what's going to happen. He said, Father, you have loved them as you love me. Who's Jesus talking about? For God so loved the world. That's who he's talking about, all of the human race. You've loved them as you loved me. Do you realize that? I know you do. It's saying God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. That's love. That's love. I started praying that God would help me to witness to people personally, not just stand it up and preach. And so every time I'm out, I try to say, God, lead me today to somebody that's in need. And so I went out to a little uh, public golf course near the church, and, uh, and, and, and I, I played golf. These, they, they put you with whoever. So there's... Uh, Two, two uh, young guys, and one of them's a bartender, and the other one owns a nightclub. So I'm saying, Lord, how can I reach these guys? And so I thought the Lord spoke to me. We got through nine holes, and I said, could I buy you guys something to drink? Oh, yeah, thank you. That would be great. So I went up, and I bought what they ordered. I bought a Diet Coke and two beers. I thought, oh, brother. The Lord said, I love those guys. So I said, here's your beer. Rejoice, get drunk. I, no, I did it. It bothered me, but I, I said, all right, Lord. So we come to the end, and I start talking to them. 
And I said, hey, guys, I was reading something. I said, I, I, I love the Bible. I, I read the Bible. Oh, you do? You know, they got kind of puckered up a little bit. And I said, the Bible said something about you and me. They said, what? I said, God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. And I said, is it all right if I pray for you? And they both said, yes. And then they shared a little bit. Now, here's the good news. I'm about to close. The bad news is sometimes I have four or five closings. Other times I'm through a long time before I know it. I was talking to my brother-in-law, and his, he was, uh, his father was an immigrant from uh, Minnesota, went out to the plains of, of uh, eastern Colorado out there in the, because of the free land, the homesteading stuff that was available. You could go out there and you could live for a certain period of time, build a hut and make some improvements, and after a certain period of time, you'd own the land, 160 acres. There was a man that I met that had gone out there about 1910, and he was an older man, of course, when I met him and, uh, with my brother-in-law. And he, he became a Christian. His name was Charlie Pierce. When he came down from, from Minnesota, he had a wagon and a tarp and some tools and a plow and two big uh, workhorses, big perchins. An unseasonal storm broke out in early October. And it was so wild, and the wind, and the snow, and the temperatures plunged, and he was about to die. And finally he realized, at that point he wasn't a Christian, but he realized he'd got to do something. So he went behind a hill and got the two big horses to lay down. And he laid down between the horses and put a tarp over them. And his life was spared. He would have frozen to death if he hadn't done it. And he became a Christian. And he and his wife, he got married a little bit later uh, in 1930, I think, and God laid it on their heart to support missionaries. And they lived frugally, and every spare penny they had went into missions. Now it came time for harvest time out in the dry lands, and so now a big wheat crop is standing, and my brother-in-law and his father were, had a, an old uh, implement to harvest the, 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 grain, the, the, the grain. And uh, Charlie came over. He had a better instrument, but he said, you know, he said, my, my machine's broken down. And he says, could, could you bring your machine over when you get through here and we'll save my crop? And so he said, sure. So they got through late in the afternoon. They went over and they were able to harvest 500 bushels of grain. And it got dark. A terrible hailstorm came. And it pounded the three or four thousand bushels of grain that was his harvest. The next morning they came out and they saw this mud and all this stuff stacked up. Ray, my brother-in-law, he said, my dad and I stood there. We didn't know what to say. Here this guy was. He served God. He gave everything to missions. And this seemed devastating. How's he going to hold up to it? 
Charlie raised his hands. Thank God I have the seed. I've got a seed. I can plant another crop. Doesn't matter that I lost everything else. Doesn't matter how little we're going to have because of that. Praise God, I still have the seed. And I'm going to tell you something, brethren. You might look around and you say, why aren't people coming back to church? I'm sure all your people are. Uh, why isn't everything going better? Why are we going through all of this thing? But if you've got the ministry still going, if you're still preaching, if you're still teaching the gospel, if you're still opening the doors and sharing the love of Jesus Christ, praise God, you still have the seed. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes is just the willingness to plant and sow and plant and sow and God will give the harvest. Praise God, we still have the seed and that the seed came because of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The theme of the conference is very simple. It talks about grace. It talks about the fact that we don't give up hope. Romans 15, 13, let the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when I leave you, I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm going to send another comforter, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't know him, neither does it understand him. But he said, you know him, for he lives with you and shall be in you. We still have the seed of the life of of God and we still have the Holy Spirit and we still have the power of God and whatever we face God is more than sufficient to get us through it not only just dragging through it but get through it with hope and faith and joy and victory so let's lift up our heads and rejoice that we have a vicious enemy but he is absolutely no match for the risen son of God Jesus Christ he is no match for the Holy Spirit he's no match for all of the other things let's pray father thank you for your love and thank you for your grace and we just pray today that you will minister to our hearts that we'll share with each other that faith will be renewed and strengthened in our lives that we'll go forth Lord and have hope and belief and faith whatever the outward circumstances are for greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world Lord you've already conquered all these things and so we're asking we're praying as Jesus taught us to pray believing Lord I know you're going to meet the needs of our families you're going to meet the needs of our lives the needs of our flocks and Lord we're just trusting you and looking for miracles and miraculous provision. We ask your blessing upon these precious folks, upon all of us, Lord, for we need this uplifting, this encouragement, this hope. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Church 860 podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, we ask that you would like and subscribe to the podcast so that you can get daily updates. If you'd like to know more about Church 860, please visit church860.com. Thank you. God bless.